There'll be spoilers for Harry Potter in this episode. Be wary, kids. Be wary. <laughs> Welcome to Three Non-Benders. We are three friends who sit in a car talking about Avatar, The Last Airbender, the greatest show ever made. Today we are doing what some might call the lost episode, because we recorded it once before. <laughs> we sure did. And lost it all in our moment. Today we're going to be talking about the Harry Potter houses, and we're going to be sorting all of the Avatar characters, all of them, even the Cabbage Man, even the Messenger Hawk, even the Messenger Hawk, Hockey, <laughs> say his name. I'm so sorry. Um, we're going to be sorting everyone into the Harry Potter houses. We would love for you guys to angrily tweet at us why we're right or wrong, but it must be angry. <laughs> and or somewhere in between. Yes. Some of us are non-binary. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. yeah. but be angry, even if yeah. it's like just all caps, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yell. Um, that's gonna be bad. My name is Rachel. I am not a Hogwarts student, but if I was, I would be a Hufflepuff because I am an excellent finder. She found us. <laughs> I, found, I found these two. <laughs> Where they would be without me, I do not know. Hello, I am Rissa. <laughs> I am not a Hogwarts student, but if I was one, I would be a Gryffindor because I have a real problem with authority figures. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an anarchist at heart. I was born to lead <laughs> everyone into chaos. <laughs> um, well, my name is Tim, and I am not a Hogwarts student, but if I were, I would be a Ravenclaw, because I got a five on all my AP tests, except I got a four on one of them, but it's the one that everyone says is the hardest. I'm really smart. That's the point. (laughs) (laughs) Tim's Um, got nothing to prove. No. We're going to come up with a list of people who we're going to sort. Marissa, will you be our scribe? I'm waving a pen in the air. It is mightier than the sword. (laughs) Uh, Gryffindor would not say that. That's a Ravenclaw statement. (laughs) I'm sorry. Take Okay, I'm like... I'm like 20% uh, Ravenclaw. That's, I got my head yeah. in the clouds. It's cool. Um, okay, so definitely Aang, Katara, Sokka, Zuko, Toph. Iroh. Iroh. Azula. Azula. Fire Lord. Ozai. Ugh, Ozai. Tell me when you're ready for more. He would be a muggle. Or a squeeb. A squeeb. A squeeb. Oh, definitely um, he's a Cabbage squib. Man. Definitely Ozai's a squib after Aang Dis- takes his powers yeah. away. Oof, oh, that's brutal. true. Um, Drake. Sparky Boom Man. What argument could you have for Sparky Boom Man being in any house? Tell us, Tim. Um, I feel like Sparky Boom Man is a Ravenclaw. Wow. Do you just because you see yourself in him? No. (laughs) I just feel like he's, like, knowledge gone too far. Ooh. Yeah, he got that third eye going on. He doesn't even speak. He's so smart. Mm. Smart. (laughs) Smart. Alright. We don't have to do everyone. I just want, like, a list to choose from. I just... Can we preface it by saying Mm -hmm. that, like, everyone who is evil, we will not automatically put into Slytherin? Yes. Of course. We're we're woke here. Like, we get it, you know? That's Um, a good list. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh... You want to dive right in? Okay, who who are we sorting? Well, I feel like we gotta start with Aang. Mm -hmm. Unless we don't gotta start with Aang. I don't think we gotta start with Aang. Let's start with... the Fire Lord. Because I feel like, for all we see of him, like, he's not the most fleshed out character. Like, he is the big baddie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's so true. So what else do we know about him? Mm-hmm. And um, from what we know, how can we type him? Okay. You know? All right. I do feel, I don't want to put every villain in Slytherin, but I do feel that he is... That Ozai is a Slytherin. Yeah. Because of his belief in the purity of power and how that's more important than anything. Also, his desire, like, not saying all Slytherins want to do this, but the big evils were in Slytherin and Harry Potter, and they wanted to exterminate, like, non-magic people, and he was, like, all about that extermination. Yeah. Like, but as a means to an end, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Like, also, may I throw out there, I think his wife... Zuko's mother was also a Slytherin because they hatched that plan to, well, she hatched that plan to save baby Zuko when, like, 
back in the Dizay when Ozai was like hungry for power but knew he couldn't get it because his older brother was in line for the throne. His big daddy, Big Daddy Sozin, was going to kill Zuko because Ozai told his dad that he didn't think Iroh should be as sad about losing his own son. So Sozin was going to like have Zuko killed and then his mom hatched that plan that was like, you know, I will kill your father so that our son can live and you can become Fire Lord and then I'll get the fuck out of here. So, like, she was also an example of a Slytherin, but, like, to a good end. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, to save her son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To save her own. Mm-hmm. Totally. Narcissa AF. Oh! You know? Oh, I love that. So we just did the Fire Lord. I feel like we can look at... So that he was, like, the big bad. So we'll do the big good. The big mm-hmm. good. Our big good boy. Hang. <laughs> <laughs> How big he is. <laughs> I feel Aang like... is a hard one, I think. Mm-hmm. Aang is a hard one. But let's hash it out. Let's... What like what do we think makes Aang Aang? And then how does that fit into one or more of the houses? Yeah. And what are the Aangiest Aang traits? Because mm-hmm. I think when we're house typing, mm-hmm. all of us fit a certain percentage in each mm-hmm. as multifaceted characters. Mm-hmm. And like our mains, we know more. They're more fleshed out we see more facets to them they're going to be harder to type but like they have their like most typical traits and i feel like that's what we have to look at right you know so what are some of ang's most typical traits we've definitely talked a lot about him wanting to um flee mm-hmm. situations you know like not wanting to be confined which so... i think is um typical of his element Okay. But just as a personality trait, like, what is his fear of commitment and how would that relate to a house? I feel like that has positive and negative. So, like, fear to, mm-hmm. fear of commitment or fear of, like, um, like desire to avoid conflict mm-hmm. is the negative side of that. But then also, like you said, the desire for freedom and the desire for, like like not to be confined which i don't necessarily think is a bad trait i think it Mm -hmm. shows up in bad ways for ang but i don't think it's a bad trait i think it's kind of a positive trait Mm -hmm. um in this for this particular like action that he does a lot of the times which is like evading or running away right um but he also gives that to other characters too like Like, grants freedom to those he can Mm -hmm. totally Mm -hmm. okay so he values freedom Mm -hmm. but also fears commitment Honestly, to me, that kind of speaks to, like, more Gryffindor qualities. I just think of, like, Gryffindors as the, like, liberators and leaders of Mm -hmm. the movement and his desire to help people and get to know people and, like, be friendly to people Mm -hmm. and see the good in them and then want to, like, bring that good out seems like a very Gryffindor trait to me. Mm -hmm. I know that it also has a lot of association with bravery of, like, facing the things that you maybe don't like about yourself or like facing the things that you do fear and then overcoming them and i think we see ang do that a lot too mm-hmm. of him like fighting his nature in mm-hmm. order to fulfill his duty so i could see the argument for that i kind of think of like ron a little bit you know how mm-hmm. ron can be like straight up cowardly sometimes mm-hmm. in like certain situations but overall he is there to like bring out the good in his crew mm-hmm. so i don't know i can see that reflected in ang yeah I see I see everything in Aang. That's the hard part. Like I I see what you're saying about Gryffindor. The thing that rubs me the wrong way about Gryffindor is Aang's reluctance to accept his fate as a as a special person who's going to save the world. I don't know. I I think you can make a strong case for Aang as a Slytherin because like he cares so much about the people directly around him and everything else he will push away as long as he possibly can. Mm-hmm. I also think there's a way in which like his disinterest in being special and being savior and interest in just like having fun almost makes me want to type him as like a Hufflepuff who has to like learn to accept his place as like a very as like a very special person Mm -hmm. but that's not who he is and then I also think like a lot of institutional aspects of airbenders strike me as Ravenclaw-ish like the Mm -hmm. monkness and the Mm -hmm. focus on study and the focus on freedom like Ravenclaw's symbol is the bird Mm -hmm. and that evokes freedom, right? That evokes mm-hmm. the ability for flight. So I think that you're right. 
and like the pursuit of knowledge like you could say that the air nomads pursued enlightenment Uh uh-huh you know like that particular brand of spiritual knowledge Mm -hmm. i think could relate to that a lot too i love thinking about ang as a slytherin though because as you said tim his circle is so small Mm -hmm. and slytherins focus on the small circle Mm -hmm. and like live in their people i think it's hard with ang because he does see like the greater good he does see how he like eventually he does see that like he needs to be responsible for his actions whether that's running away as a kid and like being locked in the iceberg so that war took over and all that kind of stuff yeah but i feel like that's like like that's your not house... antithetical to the solar yeah i mean i feel like it's important to note that like your house is like i feel like your house is your nature uh-huh. and you can overcome your nature we see a lot of characters that do. If you couldn't overcome your nature, then Slytherins would all be bad, and Gryffindors mm. would all be good, right? But it's not about yeah. the end result. It's not about where you end up. It's about what you're inclined towards. And I mm. think the Aang we see is very inclined towards his clan and protecting his and loving those people fully and completely and giving them all of him and also protecting them at any cost. I think that I think that that's correct. I don't know that I think the nature of houses is... Like, over, like, that that reveals your nature. I feel like the houses reveal how you use certain traits. For Slytherin, you think ambition. You think, like, self-serving. And that's, mm-hmm. the self-serving thing is not, I don't feel like that is necessarily self-serving in far as, insofar as Aang is, like, I'm going to just think about myself. Mm-hmm. But, like, self-serving is, I'm, like, I'm going to think about myself and the people who make me happy because they are the most important people in the world to me. Which I think mm-hmm. is what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I disagree on how it, like it how the traits show up in personality. I think it's more of a, an action that you do, like you act out your house versus like it is something innate within you. I don't know. Do you see mm-hmm. what I mean? I do. I don't know if I agree, mm-hmm. but I see... But we agree on like... Aang as a Slytherin. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, okay. Well. I, still, I still just everything that you're saying about like protecting those who are close to you, I still see that as like a very... Gryffindor trait. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I I and think I am of the opinion that Aang is a Gryffindor. Okay. But also maybe I'm just programmed that way because he's our protagonist and we're used to our protagonist being Gryffindors. Yeah. There are a lot you know? of similarities between mm-hmm. him and Harry. Not just like narratively but also like, I don't know, like Harry sort of like walks into trouble and Aang sort of stumbles into it, mm-hmm. which is a big difference between them. But like they both are possessed with the knowledge of their destiny Right? They both are, like, they both have extreme moments of desperation and depression where, like, it launches them into, mm-hmm. like, moments where they're, like, truly scary characters. Mm-hmm. And... They're both the chosen one. And they're both mm-hmm. the chosen one. Yeah, like, they both have to face the big bad and know that, like, it is a me versus him kind of situation. So I can see the similarities between them because Harry is so purely Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do think that the ways, like, they both struggle with their chosen oneness, but... Harry wants to be the big man on campus, right? So Mm -hmm. the shoes sort of fit him in a way that I don't think they fit Aang. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he's a little arrogant. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I can't quite delineate the exact But Aang does have that arrogance when we start out. Mm -hmm. Like, remember when he's just so, so good at waterbending when Mm -hmm. he first tries it? Like, I think younger Aang has more of those traits. And as he, like, gains more wisdom, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think he's able to like quiet that side of him you know or at least like know when it's appropriate can Mm -hmm. we call him like a gryffindor slytherin split do you guys feel good about that sure yeah Yeah. i'm good we're we're divided i feel like maybe once we type the elements we'll have some notes to come back and say do we want to move on to katara i would love to yeah because i also Mm -hmm. feel like she's a slytherin Whoa. I honestly, I could see that more because, like, my go-to instinct is um, that Katara would also be a Gryffindor because of the whole protagonist thing. But, Mm -hmm. like, the way that Katara feels and lets her emotions Mm -hmm. guide her, I think, lends itself more towards Mm Slytherin-ism. Like, she she goes to very dark places and she lets herself go there. Mm -hmm. And I think she gains a lot and learns a lot from those moments. But I think in the moment she's so, like, wrapped up in whatever, like, emotion, like, whatever powerful thing she's feeling Mm -hmm. and just, like, lets that take her. Um, And to me that just seems very Mm Slytherin-esque. 
Yeah, I mean, we get some really dark moments with Katara. I feel like we get moments of darkness with Katara and Aang that we don't get with anyone else who's mm-hmm. not a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like, we, they mm-hmm. take them both to really dark places. You could either interpret those moments as them succumbing to some part of their personality, or in which case they're Slytherin, or them living into something darker than what they really are inside. Mm-hmm. I would feel like for Katara, I don't feel like this is necessarily succumbing, but she is so cunning mm-hmm. to me, and that's as I mean, that's literally one of the words that is used to describe Slytherins. When she has those moments where her emotions snap her into a state of being and she can't mm-hmm. escape from that. It's n- almost never, especially after season one when she learns to control her powers, mm-hmm. it's almost never a moment that causes something bad to happen. Yeah. It's always like she uses the emotion she has to thread the needle and get what she wants. Yeah, she embraces it, learns from it, and takes that power right. with her. She kind of has a little bit of, like, if we do it, it's okay. If they do it, it's not okay. Like, mm-hmm. when she stole the scroll from the pirates. So or... she's a Gryffindor, is what you're saying. No, I'm saying she's a Slytherin. That's what I'm saying. I feel like Slytherin and Gryffindor morality is very similar in this respect. Sure. Right? It's very much like our side versus their side. And if our side does something, it's in the pursuit of good. And if their side does something, it's in the pursuit of evil. Mm -hmm. She had such a hard time forgiving Zuko and then the guy who also killed her mother. Like, those moments for me say that Katara is, like, very focused on protecting her inner circle and focused on protecting herself and making sure she gets justice. But, like is generally working towards the justice of the overall good. So I think Mm -hmm. she's like a character who is able to spot the thing that she needs to do in a situation to get her to the next level of where she feels like she needs to be, whether that's like protecting a village that is, has been taken over by a fire nation factory and now their water is clogged or whether that's literally sneaking out and stealing Appa, Aang's spirit animal guide to, in order to try to, annihilate the man who killed her mother you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's it's varying degrees but it's all in pursuit of what like all in pursuit of her goals mm-hmm. yeah i agree with that i agree with that but i think that her goals come from a sense of moral center not of pragmatism and i think that's mm-hmm. what maybe delineates the difference to me between gryffindors and slytherins i think she's a gryffindor and okay. like i i think that because i think she has an incredibly strong moral backbone and fiber Mm-hmm. I think even Aang definitely does not. 100% does not. <laughs> Aang, it, like, thinks that life is about penguin sledding until she's like, life is about believing in things and fighting for them. It is similar to, to Slytherins in a way. Gryffindors and Slytherins are both like, if we do it, it's okay. If they do it, it's in pursuit of everything we don't stand for. Mm-hmm. But the difference, I think, is that Gryffindors are bound by a moral sense of how the world should be. Slytherins are bound by a pragmatic desire to increase their own position in the world. I see that. That's very articulate. Yeah. No, I I, t- I totally see that. I may be swayed. I think it's really hard. I'm honestly, this whole time we're talking about Katara, I'm like very eager to get to Sokka because mm-hmm. my instinct is to just automatically also put Sokka in Gryffindor. But now I'm like considering the other houses that we see a little bit less of. Yeah, and, we've like, talked a lot about they... Gryffindor. Yeah. <laughs> and I like, I can see the argument for why they're so similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like I like the difference that you just put it, yeah. Put out. Keep there. that in mind. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Can we agree that she's a Gryffindor? I feel I feel swayed by I that. I would vote Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. I would vote Gryffindor too. Absolutely. Okay. But I honestly think going back now, if we're gonna put Katara in Gryffindor, I do feel strongly that Aang is a Slytherin. I think a lot of the things that I attribute to Aang, like fighting his nature, um, moving forward in the way that he does, is because of Katara. So I think without her and without that, like he would be. Mm-hmm. At his core. Mm. Yes. I love that. Okay, so what about Sokka? Okay, and maybe this is because he's a non-bender too, but I feel like Sokka is our everyman and he is our Hufflepuff, you know? I think mm. I think of Cedric and I think of the kind of like goofy charisma that he has and mm-hmm. the ability to step up to the challenge mm-hmm. and to be the golden boy, mm-hmm. but also to be an outsider mm. and have that kind of everyman position and to just be cool to like sit and chill in the background until it's his moment to shine. 
which is basically Sokka for the first two seasons. Right. You know? And even when Mm -hmm. he does shine, it's about the grace in accepting who you are and accepting the fact that maybe you're never going to be that great thing that you had in mind. I I am 100% in the Hufflepuff bag for Sokka. Man, I might be outvoted here, guys. Yeah. When we finally do get around to Sokka's story, it's all about not being the headliner, right? Like, like Sokka is, I I think, one of the great supporting characters, certainly in children's media, because (laughs) he's a supporting character who has a story about being a supporting character and about how, like, maybe, like, your culture or your upbringing or whatever gives you this idea that you're supposed to be this great leader and that it's all supposed to be about you and that maybe the greatest thing you can ever do in your life is to let it all be about someone else. Yeah. and oh, he that's so moving. Yeah, and he just really, really embraces it. Like, he becomes the backbone, and he is, like, plagued with self-doubt, but mm-hmm. still becomes the planner mm-hmm. and, like, plans great battles and then is also able to, in the moment improvise when things don't necessarily go the way that he wants them to because I think he's just been used to that in his entire life. Mm-hmm. No, I think I see all of those qualities as our friendly badger. <laughs> A badger mole? <laughs> are Hufflepuff's earthbenders? <laughs> Interesting are, question for but... later in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I feel totally moved by what you guys are saying. That was a beautiful speech, Tim. Mm-hmm. But I initially typed Sokka in my brain as either a Gryffindor or a Ravenclaw. I would like to explain. I feel like Sokka also carries some of Katara's like morality ideas, right? Like he mm-hmm. He certainly thinks he knows the way of the world. Right. And, and he, he has, distrusts evil. Right. Like, and he, he has like a grudge him. against evil in the same mm-hmm. way that Katara does. And specifically that evil as it is located onto firebenders. Like he's mm-hmm. very it's very easy for him to say that those are the bad guys. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he does become the planner, and I think that has... I think being strategic can have a lot to do with being a Ravenclaw. Like, mm-hmm. that is a way that a brain can move, and when it is very good at that, I feel like smarts. Ravenclaw mm-hmm. smarts. Mm-hmm. But I am really overtaken by how beautiful you guys spoke of Hufflepuffs and I don't necessarily believe that Sokka is like the true harbinger of justice in this universe like all the judges in the Harry Potter universe are Hufflepuffs because like where Gryffindors may like fight for their people in mass or in Mm -hmm. small groups Hufflepuff is like the defender of justice like if if a person Mm -hmm. is being wronged a Hufflepuff is the person who says this person is being wronged. Even if they're like a Slytherin. That's why Hufflepuff-Slytherin relationships are the best. I'm just saying. (laughs) But like, even if the person is like, to everyone else, a bad guy, a villain, if they're wronged in an instance, Mm -hmm. Hufflepuff is going to be like, okay, but like, these are the facts of what's going on here. This person deserves justice, even though they don't fit your bill. I think Um, we see Sokka do that with Zuko. mm -hmm. I think when Katara is not willing to accept Zuko... Sokka is Mm. and I think like later in the series he becomes like a council member he becomes like one who judges and makes laws Mm -hmm. so I I can see him filling that role of the judge I think that he's not so blinded by Mm -hmm. his need for justice that he can't um be removed from Mm -hmm. the situation and pass like non-biased judgment I mean, part of being strategic is doing that as well. Mm-hmm. In in a, in a different way, too. Like, in a way that's like, we're going to lose these soldiers here, and that's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily a Hufflepuff trait, but I'm moved by what you guys are saying, and I'm happy to have Sokka on my team. Dope. I want to talk about Iroh in tandem with Dumbledore, because they both have pasts that are confusing and conflicting, where they think that they're doing the right thing, and accomplish incredible things and then end up seeing the truth or seeing the right way to do things and kind of manipulating the present to ensure that the future goes the way it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. So with Dumbledore, he had Grindelwald in his life and they had that whole thing that was like for the greater good, which was like sort of an excuse to like create muggle subservience to wizards because they felt like it was like, oh, it's in their best interest. It's in our best interest. Like everybody wins, even though obviously that was the wrong thing to do. And then Iroh in the same vein, like had that 600 day siege on Bossing Say, was a war general, was the top of his game, well-respected in his nation, not only as the like heir to the Fire Nation throne, but also as a general whose legend lives on beyond his term as a general. 
And they both work to help the heroes in their lives. For Iroh, I think it's Zuko. And then for, obviously, for Dumbledore, it's Harry. They work to help those characters come to a conclusion that they planned for them, almost. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I see Dumbledore exhibiting different traits, though. Mm -hmm. Like, his manipulation of Harry is, I think, a little bit more sinister. I agree. And a little bit more, like, shrouded. Um, Zuko goes in kind of knowing a little bit of Iroh's past, like, coming at it from a very tainted perspective of, like, you're a traitor and a failure, Mm -hmm. but um, begins to see the nuance in that, and I think that's what ultimately helps Zuko's arc, but um, real quick, with Iroh, did his son die, the siege ended, and then he went and hunted dragons, or was the dragons before that? I believe the dragons was, well, the dragons must have been after that. Well, because he was, or what he happened. is like the dragon of the West, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like, mm-hmm. and I do not know if this is canonical, I imagine there was probably some youthful dragon hunting, yeah. some war times, him returning from war and being like, I'm dishonored, how do I gain my honor back? Mm. And like, going on the dragon hunt. It seems pretty lame you know? if he was like, I'm gonna go on the dragon hunt, kill a bunch of dragons, and then the like final dragons deemed him worthy. Like, I would believe that the, mm-hmm. the Khan and Ra, um, mm-hmm. like, deemed him worthy. That's the dragons. For the listeners at home who don't immediately mm-hmm. know what we're talking about, that's the dragons with the rainbow fire. Oh, gay dragons. Um, Pouring out for rainbow fire. I believe that they, like, would not honor him that way unless they knew he was pure. Like, knew yeah. he was, like, rid of whatever troubled past he had Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying honestly rid of like whatever his father had given him yeah let's be real because the whole point of the dragons is like you understand the like the root knowledge of where your bending comes from Mm -hmm. and sozin's whole thing and ozai's whole thing is that they were disconnected from that they pulled their power from a different tainted source pulling this back to the harry potter conversation this makes me want to type Iroh as a Ravenclaw. I believe that he is an intellectual, and I think that he goes about things in a methodical way. He pulls knowledge from every element to inform his own bending, mm-hmm. and it's only through his pursuit of enlightenment and wanting to be better and learn more that he learns the true power that he holds. I agree with that on face value. Mm-hmm. No, I I think Ravenclaw is a good argument for him. My other option is Gryffindor, but uh, we can save that conversation for Zuko. Yeah, I think... um, Mm -hmm. Strong words from me. We look at Iroh's relationship with Zuko as a father relationship because Mm -hmm. Iroh lost his son and Zuko, to some extent, also lost his father. Mm -hmm. But couldn't it be a teacher? Like, couldn't it be like... Or in the early episodes, we literally see him teaching Zuko how to firebend and critiquing his firebending. But, like, mm-hmm. as it goes on, we see him educating Zuko on the four elements or educating him on the fact that, like, things are connected and you must, like, learn about these different groups in order to access, like, the true power of your own. Like, to understand mm-hmm. the limitations and the benefits of your power and your meaning in life, mm-hmm. you have to understand the truth and the limitations of the others around you. And, like, it's only through that that Zuko ends up becoming like the character we know he he is in the later half of season three and so I believe that like Iroh could be seen not just as like a mentor figure or a father figure but like Mm -hmm. also as a teacher figure and that leads itself lends itself to the Ravenclaw argument Mm -hmm. as much as anything else that we've talked about yeah because I think Iroh goes at his teachings of Zuko with a ton of love and loyalty which Mm -hmm. are things that I associate with Gryffindor Mm -hmm. I think that Iroh also understands, like, when that love can be accepted and when he needs to take a more, like, distilled, like, teacher approach, you know? Like, he knows his audience. Right. And to me, Gryffindors don't Don't. necessarily know their audience. They're just like, this is the way it is. This is the way it should be. And they just, like, yell it until people are like, huzzah, and join their, like, army, you know? (laughs) And, like, Iroh is like, listen. That's true. Just listen. Like, you don't get it now, but just listen. That's true. You know? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I feel like he doesn't just want to reflect the truth of the world. He wants it to be understood. And that's what Mm -hmm. Ravenclaws want. My mother... Other known Ravenclaw would always say, like, you have to tell people the truth 
but they have to be willing to hear it. Mm-hmm. And there's something to knowing when people aren't ready to hear the truth. And, like, that's that's Iroh, right? Like, mm-hmm. other characters in the series don't give a fuck whether people are ready to hear it. But Iroh rolls out a worldview really carefully and specifically for Zuko, giving him the parts that he's that he needs when he needs them. Totally. I, I love this. I lo- mm-hmm. And I love that it came from your mother, other known Ravenclaw. Yeah. I would like to say, Iroh can be a Ravenclaw, and I love that, and I'm mm-hmm. here for it. But that description did not make him sound any less sinister than Dumbledore. No. Yeah, I think with that, though, I think Iroh has a little less of a veil in front of him. Yeah. Like, I don't think if Zuko was ever confrontational about it, where he's like, dude, I feel like you're pulling strings. Do you know what I mean? I don't think Iroh would have ever been like, no, I'm not. Like, silly boy. (laughs) You know? But I think Dumbledore Uh did that to Harry in ways that were detrimental to Harry's emotional health. Or was Dumbledore just mm-hmm. smart enough to know that the only moment Harry would accept his own death mm-hmm. is the moment before he died? It's true. And maybe Dumbledore only knew that because he was also a Gryffindor. Right. And he, like, saw something of himself in Harry. Which I would Which buy. I but... think we should now talk about Zuko and be like, yes! okay, so if Iroh was talking to Zuko in a Ravenclaw way, how does Zuko's response dictate what house he's in. Zuko's a Gryffindor. All right, we're done. We should go home. Well, (laughs) it's been a great episode, guys. (laughs) I feel really, 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 Mm -hmm. really, really strongly about this one. Like, I felt Mm -hmm. strongly about Katara. I felt strongly Mm -hmm. about Aang. I, like, was okay about Sokka. But, like, I feel Mm -hmm. very strongly that Zuko is a Gryffindor because he responds to everything pre- and post-awakening with just straight passion. Anything that comes out of that kid's mouth is, like, I feel this with 100% of my cells. Yeah. Like, he just feels things so strongly, and that is a Gryffindor trait to me. I just think, y'all, with your Zuko feels, you get you get ahead of yourselves with how you feel about Zuko in season three. I think he's but accusing in... us of thinking Zuko's hot. Of thinking Zuko's hot and okay, letting that control Okay, we all think Zuko's hot, brains. all right? We all think he's hot. <laughs> Okay, but, what do you... I'm just saying... What do you think? Gr- what, do you, what do you have to say against me? There are a lot of things that Zuko does, such mm-hmm. as Katara and the necklace and the weirdness. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was Such weird. as Katara mm-hmm. and the cave and the weirdness. convincing her that he trusted her and that he was oh, see, on her I side and I think that was genuine. Over. I think that was genuine. That yeah. was definitely genuine. Well, maybe, no, but, but then he genuinely fucked her over. In yeah. He did genuinely but fuck her over, but that's a Gryffindor move. But that's move. because nah. of what it's Rachel a Gryffindor is saying. Move. No. no, it totally is uh-uh. because in it's the moment... It's a pragmatic move. Pragmatic equals Slytherin. No, 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 no. He wasn't, like, no, trying... No, 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 He wasn't trying yeah. to mislead Katara. Go, Marissa. No, he was feeling in the moment. He was trapped in that cage. He felt betrayed. He felt cornered. And Katara presented him with something that he connected to emotionally that he like literally couldn't comprehend because he was so just so traumatized from his life and Katara presented him with a different outlet and he felt strongly towards it and he reacted in a certain way but then when he was snapped back to reality back to (laughs) Azula coming in and being like this is your life this is what you think you want this is what's ingrained in you and playing on that emotional chord of like knowing what Zuko is driven by, he reacted emotionally to that. And because those emotions were more ingrained and more in him, it was easier for him to betray the, like, new, fresh feelings that Katara bubbled up inside of him. But maybe those new, fresh Mm -hmm. feelings were Gryffindor feelings, and maybe what she snapped Mm -hmm. him back to was the the desire to protect his own in a very pragmatic, very cold way. Tim, you're coming at me real strong today with hard points. Mm -hmm. Hard truths. I would like to just (laughs) bring up the one word that is associated with Zuko's character, which is Mm-hmm. honor mm-hmm. okay honor right. and how how often do you think mm-hmm. about a Gryffindor who's like not searching for their honor you know what I mean it's like, okay but Malfoy's searching him. for his honor too like yeah, Malfoy's Mal- a piece of but shit Malfoy doesn't mean anything Malfoy, <laughs> Malfoy's never gonna find it do you know what yeah, I mean yeah his family doesn't have any yeah and, and, and like Seven. he's not and he doesn't have that like inner pillar that's what Iroh is giving to him. Like, if anything, I think Zuko is... I mean, he's very influenced by the people around him. But, like, speaking as a Gryffindor, who is also an empath... Authority. Okay? 
I am so influenced by the people around me and by the emotions that they like give to me. And mm-hmm. it takes a really long time to develop that inner pillar. And I can just, I can see that in Zuko. Right, and he's deciding, Mm -hmm. the whole series, he's deciding Mm -hmm. between right and wrong and figuring out what is right and wrong. And Mm -hmm. I do think that moment at the end of season two is, like, one of the biggest betrayals we get from Zuko in Mm -hmm. the entire series. And he's torn up about it, He is, exactly. He spends the next half of season being, like, totally just, like, all over the place inside. Like, when he gets invited back to his father's war council he like says something about the earth kingdom and then his father's like yes that means we should destroy all of them and he's like wait no um (laughs) like he has these moments of like back and forth where he Mm -hmm. he says the right thing and then doesn't feel it and doesn't understand it so he goes back and forth between right and wrong and i think slytherins and gryffindors both decide right and wrong very early on right Mm -hmm. but that Mm -hmm. flip-flop between what is right and wrong is a characteristic of people that have that strong moral compass Hear me out. I think Zuko is Neville. Do you know what I mean? Oh! <laughs> like, like he just he like Neville was put in Gryffindor because there was something inherent in him that he just couldn't connect to, and he needed to be surrounded by people to help him connect to that. And then he established his like sense of justice Holy that sense shit. of honor that we like yes. associate uh, with Gryffindors amazing. you know yes. so like Zuko wouldn't have ended up that way if he didn't have the influence of Iroh like yeah. aka Luna thank god she came into Harry's life but, like, <laughs> Harry's mentor yeah. Luna Lovegood <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean like he is he is the product of the people he surrounds himself with mm-hmm. and he was torn up by his sense of like having feelings but not necessarily knowing like where the justice was like within them mm-hmm. and then he ends up figuring it out and is a source for good i can't see that as not gryffindor <laughs> you yeah know? i hear that mm-hmm. and i read something i read something that i absolutely loved which was a theory about the uh core six you get in harry mm-hmm. potter so you know the golden trio harry ron and hermione obviously mm-hmm. but then you also have neville Ginny, and luna right mm-hmm. and that's the like they call they call the Neville, Ginny, and Luna the Silver Trio as opposed to the Golden Trio. So it's like mm-hmm. the Core Six. Um, well, they had that whole B story in Seven that's yeah. like lost over in the movies, but they like take up Harry's mantle exactly, yeah. and know? that's when Neville truly you like reveals the diamond beneath the other rock that diamonds yeah. come from, whatever that rock is. Coal. Coal. <laughs> ben- diamond beneath the coal. Edit that in, Marissa. Mm-hmm. Um, this is anyway. Diamond abs. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Neville gets hot, and so does Zuko. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, 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 as I was saying, um, so what I read was, like, saying that the core six from Harry's time at Hogwarts reflect the six that came previously. So you have Lily, James, Sirius, Remus, um, Peter, and Severus. And Peter mm-hmm. is Neville, right? And Peter mm-hmm. took Whoa. that not feeling like he belongs, not feeling like he's part of the group, mm-hmm. to the to one end of the extreme. He left, he betrayed them, he used the knowledge he gained for himself, but Neville goes the opposite direction, right? Neville is that path, but towards a brighter future. And just think about Zuko as those two characters. Like, mm-hmm. he could have taken the knowledge that he learned from... I don't know, following the Avatar from, like, his uncle and from Azula, and he could have taken all of the things that he gleaned and, like, gone back to the Fire Nation, and it could have made him a much more calculating, much more Azula-like person to be able to, like, help lead the country into further war to exterminate the other elements. Yeah. But instead, he takes those traits and uses them as Neville used them to take up the arms of the Chosen One, of Aang, instead mm-hmm. of his father. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he uses those gifts that he's been given to be brave and be the person that his uncle knows he can be. Yeah, and that he knows he can be by the end of it. By the end of it. You know? Right. I stand convinced. Damn. I feel like... Um, is that our first Gryffindor? No, we uh, decided Katara was a Gryffindor, too. That's right. Which, also which is probably why they have conflict. Exactly! It you makes know? me really, really happy. Yeah, they totally butt heads because they are the same, but so different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I would love to talk about Toph and then maybe type the elements because I like I'm drawn to talk about Azula, but mm-hmm. um like she is used as Ozai's surrogate for so much of the story that I feel like it's hard to kind of separate her yeah. from that. that I feel sense. strongly um, yeah, I feel strongly about Azula as like a Malfoy figure. 
Yeah. What about Toph? Toph is just so earth. So I feel like this is going to be a good transition into, like, typing the elements, too. I feel like Toph's character comes across at first as kind of Slytherin because she doesn't need anyone but herself. Mm -hmm. She um, wants to be alone. She enjoys doing the weird fun shit she enjoys doing and doesn't really care about what everyone else wants to do. She's a little deceptive too. She's a little she's deceptive. she's playing that role of yeah. like the meek daughter when it, really... Exactly. And in yeah. The Bandit, she's also willing to play the blind blind girl mm-hmm. in order to get what she um, wants out of the situation, which is money. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like she leans into those characteristics, but at the end of the day, she is a Hufflepuff. And let me tell you why. She has, like, one of the most honest senses of right and wrong, I feel like, in the series. Like, you get Katara, who's, like, had this ingrained in her since birth. And then you get Aang, who's, like, floating around, like, oh, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll do whatever. And then you get Toph, who's, like, able to understand that Iroh is a good person as soon as she meets him. Like, Mm -hmm. no matter, she doesn't know anything about him, but she's just able to understand that he's a good person. When Zuko comes into the group, she's the only person who acknowledges that he might be really the correct solution for them at this moment, not just because Aang needs a firebending teacher, but also because he came unarmed, did not try to hurt them, and because she knows his uncle. Like, she is the only one who puts the pieces together enough for the group to see it as a whole, even after he burns her feet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's my argument about Mm Tom. I feel like the defining characteristic to me of Hufflepuffs is, like, Maybe they don't necessarily know what's right. Or, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, Gryffindors have this attitude like they're emboldened with the flaming knowledge of truth. And mm-hmm. they hold it. And they know mm-hmm. what's right. And Hufflepuffs don't act true. like they know what's right, but they know what's wrong. Right? Yes. They're willing to entertain a lot of versions of what's right. But when that line is crossed to what's wrong, they don't fuck with that. And they, yeah. will, they will really loudly object to that. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about Toph. Toph generally remains disengaged generally doesn't take a side until she meets the enemy and the enemy Mm -hmm. is the enemy and Toph knows that better than almost anyone Mm -hmm. including the Gryffindors I love how that relates to how she bends because like she senses things before other people like the ability to know Iroh is a good person before it becomes necessary for the group to know that the ability to understand what's happening before it happens and that is like a a uniquely Hufflepuff trait to be able Mm -hmm. to spot the wrongdoer and the victim mm-hmm. before other people understand and react and, and enact to make justice happen. Totally. It goes back to what we were saying about them being good judges. She is able to be impartial in a way that a lot of the other characters aren't. If anything, I think when she's like teaching Aang earthbending, she is also trying to teach him to disassociate from those emotions that make him want to flee and she knows how to take a step back and observe the situation and like I think that's also her fault like remember the episode where she and Katara have so much conflict because Mm -hmm. she's like oh I see the whole situation and it's like you guys got your thing going on here you have the system of like setting up camp this is all I need like earth tent Mm -hmm. you know like being removed from the situation and like sometimes that's her downfall but mostly that's what makes her a good judge of character Mm Um, and a good judge of situations and her ability to like wait and listen and know when to act which is why she is brought into the story yeah you're so right like that episode Mm -hmm. is so key to what Toph feels is necessary like she's not trying to be the best person there or the good person there or everyone's friend who sets up camp Mm -hmm. she's trying to cover her obligations and she's like my obligation is to take care of myself Mm -hmm. what Toph deems necessary is what Toph will do in any Mm -hmm. circumstance whatsoever. She will not do more than that. I think if her friends were in terrible, terrible need, if they were really struggling and, like, all of their camp supplies, like, washed down river or whatever, she would probably be like, Earth Tent for everyone. Right. But, like, that's not the case, and she doesn't deem it necessary. I feel like Toph, like, just thinking about the conversation about Hufflepuff that we had with Sokka and how it's all right to be the third or fourth build member of the group, right? Like, the the person who is the supporting character. And I think that Toph... I think about how she never got a storyline with Zuko, for Mm -hmm. one thing. Or I think about how she had her major arc in season two, right? And then learned to metal bend, and it was, like, character development over. Like, I think about how she is, like, the reliable character who people go to 
in um, The Day of Black Sun when she sticks her hands into the earth, like bends the earth and says like, oh, there's a metal bunker down here. And then they go into the thing and she's like, no, that that area is a dead end. It's lava. Let's go this way. And Sokka's like, what would we do without you? And she's literally like, perish in burning hot lava. <laughs> like she literally tells him straight up, like, you would not be here without me. But it's never <laughs> it's never like given that gravity. Like it's yeah. never like given the gravity of Katara mm-hmm. or Aang or Sokka mm-hmm. that it uh, that frankly, I feel like it deserves like she should have just had a one up with Zuko. I'm just saying. <laughs> but. My point is that, like, I think that she does also play the same similar role that Sokka does, in which it's, like, about being a supporting character, but instead mm-hmm. of Sokka's turmoil about it, Toph is okay with it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. she's the rock. She's the foundation, and right. she's happy to be that base and let other people, like, use her as a launching off. Um, and I think it is because she reaches her own success with the metal bending and yeah. things like that. Like, she is... She's happy to build a legacy and, like, kind of a quiet legacy that is not, like, the Avatar's legacy, but yeah. she she has her own she has her own thing going on, you know? Yeah. It's oh. just her and her rocks. I love yeah. being a puff man. I got mm-hmm. Sokka and I got Toph. Uh-huh. <laughs> Damn. Oh, that's yeah, true. that's good. That's mm-hmm. Who, what is the cabbage man, though? <laughs> <laughs> what is the what cabbage is, man? What is the cabbage really man? Really quickly, on three, say what the cabbage man is. Mm-hmm. One, two, three. Hubble 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 Hubble. Oh! <laughs> oh! Wow, that's, that's the facts, That's kids. that. That's yeah. that. Okay. If your life mm-hmm. consists of mostly just trying to start your small business and being continually disappointed, you're probably a Hufflepuff. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about how this Venn diagram of elements and houses work out because there are four of each yes there are marissa and i have talked about this before and i'm pretty sure we talked about it in the last episode but i think that all of the houses and all the elements are based in the four temperaments basically anything that is grouped into four things or divisible by four you can divide up into these four temperaments they're also called the four humors and they are sanguine choleric melancholic and phlegmatic and it was created by hippocrates he incorporated the four temperaments into his medical theories but since all of the greeks knowledge about medicine was bullshit well basically he thought that you had like four fluids in your body and if you could balance the fluids then you would be healthy yeah pulling into like high school resources man i'm going i'm like I honestly can't remember, but according to Wikipedia, Mm -hmm. they are each associated with an element, each associated with one word, and each associated with a few traits. Mm -hmm. So I'll read the traits first. Sanguine is associated with enthusiastic, active, and social, and is associated with the single word socially useful. Okay, it's two words. Well, socially useful, and it's, uh, the element is air. Choleric type is short-tempered, fast, or irritable, and the word according to Wikipedia, is ruling, and the element is fire. There's melancholic, analytical, wise, and quiet. The word is avoiding. The element is earth. And the last one, phlegmatic, relaxed, and peaceful, is getting and water. Those words that I talked about, they're called Adlers. Not sure what that means. Wikipedia has a lot of information. If you guys are interested, please look up Four Temperaments to Google. You'll find the Wikipedia page. Adlers are snakes. Um, Currently, (laughs) yeah. But anyways, so it's associated with a lot of different things. The obvious elements that are in there also are associated with Harry Potter houses. Mm -hmm. This is the basis of my understanding of the Harry Potter houses because I know Mm -hmm. that J.K. Rowling, for a fact, used these as her guide to create these four elements. So earth, melancholic, Hufflepuffs are literally in the earth. They're by the kitchen. They're like, their common room is described as being warm and like cozy. And it's like literally in the basement in the earth. Slytherins, phlegmatic, water, associated with being in the sewers in the pipes Mm. like it also in the earth but underneath the lake in a much wetter part of the earth think like um chamber secrets exactly in fact chamber secrets they actually go into the southern common room and that Mm -hmm. is what it is described as the only common room they never go into is the hufflepuff common room um Mm -hmm. 
but it is described as being like Earth in other literature that uh, J.K. Rowling has created. Earth in like um, the abundance kind of sense. Because right. Because it is close to the kitchen, like cornucopia, um, Earth mother, that kind of right. situation. Exactly. And then air, sanguine, is Ravenclaw. I said earlier the raven literally is in the air, but also... Up in the towers. Up in the towers. Lofty, head in the clouds. That whole yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fire, choleric. Um, I love that the Adler is ruling because... Fire Nation. Mm-hmm. But also that is associated with Gryffindor, which obviously from the colors you can... It evokes fire, right? Mm-hmm. It has that sort of, like, passionate, instant spark kind of reaction whenever anything happens with Gryffindors. It's always just, like, pure response. Does that make sense? Totally. I know that those are the elements associated with the houses, because mm-hmm. I know how J.K. Rowling routed this stuff in her brain. Yeah, but do we feel the four temperaments. Right, but do yeah. we feel like it applies to the Avatar universe? According to the Four Temperaments, Hufflepuff would be Earth, Slytherin would be Water, Airbending would be Ravenclaw, and Gryffindor would be Firebending. Yeah, I mean, I buy all that except that I would flip Gryffindor and Slytherin. I feel that way also, but it's also because I'm a Waterbender and a Gryffindor, and, like, I understand there's so much of, like, a Venn diagram overlap, so I can see the argument both ways, but... I think I tend to agree with that. I also like Gryffindor and water associated. Maybe it's just because we typed Katara as a Gryffindor, but I feel like the emotional complexity and like flexibility that comes with water, you can also very easily associate with Gryffindor. I still feel like the way Katara acts out her emotions is very smart and very cunning in a kind of a slithery way. Like I still feel that strongly, but at the same time, the fact that she's acting on her emotions is like kind of Gryffindor-esque, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that waterbenders are sort of known for that is like moving through their emotions like they move with the water sort of seems like a super zen Gryffindor, right? Mm-hmm. I'll say Dumbledore, like Dumbledore mm-hmm. or McGonagall, like they move through their emotions and they're like practiced wizards and wizards. Wizards and wizards, the two genders, um, <laughs> wizards and witches, and they can, like, figure out the smartest place to use that emotion, but it's still, like, moving through that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. And I think going back to, like, I think we said this in an earlier episode where um, people are very consumed by fire. Like, mm-hmm. it's easy to be overtaken. I think Slytherins are easily overtaken by their sense of power in a way that Gryffindors are aren't what do you mean by sense of power like um like that inner thing that bubbles up i guess it would probably be emotion because like both fire and water are very emotionally driven elements true Mm -hmm. we see that Um, with katara and with zuko yeah but katara is not overtaken in the way that we can see zuko could potentially be or like we see azula be overtaken or we see Ozai be overtaken water will never like overtake you like you may be swept up in the current but you're gonna eventually find that still place where you're like oh I was just swept up in the current whereas with fire someday you could just find yourself immersed in flames and completely scorched by it Mm -hmm. and to me that switches the houses like a lot of Gryffindors will feel the passion and they may be swept up in the passion as Dumbledore was mm-hmm. and be swept up in the passion of like for the greater good or mm-hmm. for whatever feelings I have for Grindelwald, like whether you take that into canon or not. And eventually they will round the corner and find calmer waters and be like, oh, this was right. not right mm-hmm. in a way that like Voldemort and the Slytherins that we see turn evil won't. Right. And there's also a difference between the way that Zuko gets swept up in the passion in the way Ozai and Azula do. Mm-hmm. Like theirs is not a passion for what what we're doing is right. It's a passion for what we're doing will lead us to supreme power and then it won't matter if we're right or not. Mm-hmm. And Zuko really thinks what he thinks is the right thing is the right thing. And so does Katara. But do you guys think that it's fair to type Slytherins as being possessed and obsessed by the need for power like i feel like that was what we were trying to avoid at the beginning of this episode i don't think it's possessed by the need for power i think it's the pragmatic desire for advancement of your place and also like 
for Slytherins, I don't think that they are inherently going to be swept up by their power, but I think that there is more of a likelihood of them to lose sight of that inner justice. Perhaps like the, that is what separates them from Gryffindors, right? And perhaps the like the like locus is like their advancement, and that is the mm-hmm. most important thing to them. It's not that like they can't see that like option X is justice for everyone else and option Y is justice for me. It's not that they can't see that those two things are different or maybe one might be like correct for the greater good or whatever. It's just that they can see the option for me and myself and my family and they choose that option. But I also, I like, I just agree very much with the classifications of Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff Mm -hmm. within their elements. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just something inherent that is, like, easier with those, um, which is interesting to me because Gryffindor and Slytherin have so many parallels, and Mm -hmm. I also see Fire and Water having so many parallels. Yeah, we didn't get Mm -hmm. as strong of a, like, even though Earth was Aang's most difficult subject to master, for the series it was hard to treat it as the most opposite parallel. Water and fire were the most opposite parallels in the series because Mm -hmm. our protagonist, Katara, who is our first narrator before Aang, and our villain, Zuko, who then, you know, obviously rounds himself out and becomes part of the gang, both of those characters are so similar and so mm-hmm. different. And, like, the way that they dance around each other, with or without Comet Zutara, um, mm-hmm. is unique to the, their elements and, like, plays into what their elements do and how their elements grapple with emotion. And which is similar mm-hmm. with, like, Harry and Malfoy. Like, both of them are really similar. Like, Malfoy is kind of a foil for Harry, mm-hmm. right? And they're very similar and very different. Literally, Tom Riddle is the foil mm-hmm. for Harry, but, like, whatever. But, like, um, with with Harry and Malfoy, it's kind of like Buffy and Cordelia situation. It's, like, in different circumstances, Harry could be Malfoy. Uh-huh. In different circumstances, I don't know if Malfoy could be Harry, but having that opposite is valid. My point is that, like, they do dances around each other mm-hmm. in the series, and the elements themselves also do them in the Avatar series, so it makes sense mm-hmm. that we're having the most conflict between like which one is which element right now because they are so closely linked yeah like fire and water seem like a true yin and yang to Mm -hmm. me they really pull from each other and have a reflection in each other in a way that air and earth don't they don't reflect each other i feel but they like you know that they're Mm -hmm. natural opposites but you also like don't see the same Conflict. Char- yeah, exactly. The yeah. same conflict or the same characteristics acting out that conflict as you do in in fire, in fire and water. Well, maybe maybe but, it's because like air and earth don't defeat each other. Like mm-hmm. fire and water defeat each other. When fire is raging, water can put it out. But when there's water, fire can mm-hmm. evaporate it. Or when there's ice, fire can melt it. Or whatever you mm-hmm. want to say. But like earth and air coexist. And they're opposites, but they coexist and work together, but fire and water don't mm-hmm. really And do they're that. very much about themselves, too. Where, like, air is very much like, I'm going to do my thing, floating off. Like, if I connect with people, great. Earth is kind of the same way. But then when you get fire and water together, like, they very much are about the community. And, like, you know, are we doing this for the greater good? Are we doing this for the betterment of myself and my immediate circle? That kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to say, like, for the purposes of this podcast, when we say for the immediate circle, like, we can mean various different things. Like, we can mean, mm-hmm. like, family, friend group, element, nation. Like, there's mm-hmm. a few different ways that that can be applied. So, like, I don't necessarily think, like, Gryffindors and Slytherins are super selfish. I think mm-hmm. that's one way that those, like, houses can act out their desire to, like, think about their people so to speak but at the same time like they can be thinking about their nation like Sozin can be thinking about his nation when he starts the war and he literally is but at the same time like that is a Slytherin trait the uh, um, desire to like go to those lengths I feel like is a Slytherin trait even if he's thinking about his nation and not just about his own power do we want to close with anything else? Man, yeah. This was just a good time. Mm-hmm. I love talking about some Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. love talking about some Avatar. love that they have a good, good crossover. I would love to talk a little bit, like, why this is just a good exercise to do. Oh, yeah. For media. Because, like, I pull a lot of value 
about doing this for like many characters and for yeah. people that I know mm-hmm. of like why do you identify with a certain element why do you identify with a certain house and like how it helps you contextualize parts of your personality it is also and, such a unique thing to our generation mm-hmm. I feel like not just because like we all like we're the Harry Potter generation blah 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 but like mm-hmm. I'll run into people at work who are like oh yeah because I'm a Hufflepuff lol mm-hmm. or like on Twitter they'll have their house and their status and they're like 28 it's something that's so unique that has helped us all define ourselves Mm -hmm. i feel like it's a valuable exercise to do it's like a more accessible myers-briggs test yeah yeah (laughs) much more accessible Mm -hmm. crazy tweet at us crazy tweet more characters we didn't get to may and ty lee and the messenger hawk yeah we didn't even really get to azula all squibs Mm -hmm. all squibs Okay, that was all we have on the Harry Potter houses and the elements and all our beloved characters from Avatar The Last Airbender. You can find more episodes of this podcast at 3nonbenders.com, 3 spelled the normal way. And you can follow us on social media at 3nonbenders with 3 like the number 3. Our music was composed by Isaac Gilbert, our absentee Slytherin. And we will see you next time. Ready, ready, ready? Ooh. Oh, I can't. My nails. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Pardon the burp. Griffin. <laughs> 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 <laughs>